Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Bollocks with me, Howard H. Smith, your fucking host. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome if it's your first time. All that usual shit. Hello. My name is Howard H. Smith. Um, You may know me as lead singer of UK thrash band Acid Rain. I also does this here podcast. I also do the Reducer podcast. I also host the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. And I do stand-up comedy as well, and all sorts of bits and pieces. Hi, nice you could be here. Been doing this for a few years, I think it's about seven years now. Um, and it's really weird. When I started doing this podcast, um, Acid Rain hadn't even reformed. There was, In fact, the idea was not even kicking around. And then it all came back, and yeah, it's kind of weird how um, the changes that this this podcast has seen. Um, the the advent of the Movie Bollocks podcast, for instance. Um, also, the addition of Old Bollocks with my good friend Stephen Oldhead Ivy. So, what's new this week? What isn't new is any trace of professionalism. Mm, because that is some much-needed coffee. Um... So, what's been going on? Well, what's been going on is normally at this point, I say, what's been going on in the news since last we spoke? I go through the news, I rip the piss out of a few people, kind of smart arsists, smart arsists, smart there we go, I think that's the word I was trying to say, um, and, um, you know, sometimes I think, I, I, you know, I don't always get it right, I go for the laughs, and, um... Yeah, uh, it, it ends up it ends up sometimes being a bit regretful, but sometimes you know I kind of nail it. But the re- where am I going with all of this? Right, where I'm going with all of this is here. The news is shit. Um, I mean, let's just have a look at this, right? Okay, I'm I'm I, so I'm going to completely um, new idea, I am going to scroll through and see what's going on as we're here, so here we go, um, uh, uh, Mark Storrs, singer with Crocus, wants to bury the hatchet with, um, D. Schneider, that's a story that's, uh, been 40 years in the making, um, Sammy Hagar resumes his Las Vegas residency, it's not really news, is it, Slash, quitting smoking is the hardest thing I've ever had to quit. Yeah, well, I'd totally agree with him there. Some footage of Dino Calazari's playing with Soulfly. Um, Okay, because that's what you do when you've got a new album out, isn't it? Don't tour it. uh, Go on tour with someone else. And also, don't reveal who your new fucking singer is. Fine, okay. Um, Oh, Ted Nugent. What a surprise. Yes, that's right. Ted Nugent mouthing off because Ted Nugent is never actually in the news because he's fucking put a song out. No, it's always about the latest madcap thing he's said. Just some old redneck who comes out of his cage occasionally and just shouts at the world and disappears. Um, Richie Faulkner says situation between KK Downing and Judas Priest has been a shit show. Yeah, well, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, Phil Demmel plays the national anthem. I, I, yeah, North American people, that's a weird obsession you have with the national that national anthem being played every fucking five seconds everywhere you go. Like for instance, every sports match. Do you need real like really every fucking game? Do you need reminding what country you fucking live in? I mean, don't you think it's all a bit hail to the state? You know. Every five minutes, having a flag at home, the Pledge of Allegiance, 
singing the anthem at every... Don't you just think it's a bit fucking... Oh, you know, we are part of the community. This is our... No, no, okay, I'm not going to go there. Right. Um, Apocalyptica is collaborating with um, uh, Finnish rock legends Ismo Alanko. Well, okay. Um, uh, Oh, Lizzie Hale having another chat with somebody. Nico McBrain's doing some cooking. Uh, Queensryche sharing videos. Uh, uh, Late Pantera drummer Vinnie Paul's Arlington, Texas house has been sold to an anonymous buyer. Now, look, I don't want to come across as over harsh here, all right? But legendary fat dead drummer guy's house has been bought by somebody we don't know. I mean, really? Do we, is that really a new story that Vinnie Paul's house has been sold and nobody knows who's bought it? Uh, okay, great. Can't see there being a new Netflix fucking mystery series about who bought the house, though. Now, this is more like it. Ex-Death guitarist Rick Ross performs Evil Dead with Incantation um, in Orlando. Now, that's that's cool. OK, that's actual fucking news. Uh, oh, God. Ted Eugene again, fuck off. KK Downing, why I'm angry um, about not being allowed to rejoin Priest. Fucking. Okay, I'm just going to keep going. Um, right, Slash is mentioned again, so he's obviously got a new record out. Um, some Metallica 40th anniversary stuff. Uh, look, you get the picture. What I'm basically saying is that this, this time of year, there's not a lot of new music coming out, and so there's a fair amount of bollocks in the news but this isn't bollocks right creator behind the scenes footage from making of hate uber alice video which is fucking great i might add mm. really cool new song um video's okay but um yeah great new creator song now that's fucking news that is that's news i'm interested in anyway um so what else have we got going let's keep going um uh, oh, yeah, Violence shares title track of um, upcoming EP, Let the World Burn. Um, so, yeah, that's out. Cool. Um, Sting sells songwriting catalogue for an estimated $300 million. That is on Blabbermouth, okay? Now, metal, let's, let's blur those lines. Let's say rock, let's go a hard. Sting, ladies and gentlemen, Sting. Does anybody know what connection Sting might have to the world of rock and heavy metal? That's how desperate we are for fucking news at the moment. And it's just, it's genuinely all old bands. I'll tell you what, though, Voivod have released new singles, Sleeves Off, and I have to say, the new album, I've only listened to it a couple of times, but it is, without doubt, for me, just about the best thing they've done since they came back. New bloody... No joking. Seriously. Uh, Corey Taylor is putting out some B-sides from his solo album. Okay, that's that's fair enough. Uh, Rick Allen's confident their stadium tour's going ahead. Some, some people who used to be in Tesla together have got back together again. Bruce Dickinson is doing yet another song a cappella at one of his spoken word shows. Um, a story that's not a story. Wolfgang Van Halen says he picks his battles when it comes to dealing with online detractors. And let's face it, that is pretty much what the entire interview is going to be. Pearl Jam singer Eddie Vedder's interviewing Bruce Springsteen. Brilliant. Millionaire old, van, uh, millionaire old man 
interviews millionaire old man about what it's like being a millionaire old man. Hey Bruce, what's it like being a millionaire old man who wears denim and is still street? Um, it's cool. What's it like, uh, Eddie, wearing, uh, being a millionaire man who still wears flannel? I'm okay, Bruce. I'm still street. There you go. That's the end of the fucking interview. So, yeah, it's just all a bit fucking. This tour's cancelled. That tour's cancelled. This person has said that about this. And, uh, I mean, fucking hell. You've even got um, uh, KK Downing there. Basically, KK Downing. <laughs> KK Downing on why KK Downing keeps saying this stuff about KK Downing not being back in Judas Priest. I mean, all KK Downing is ever in the fucking news for is talking about Judas Priest. Not the new album he's got out. I mean, admittedly, it is fucking bordering on spinal tap worship. Um, but hell, it's a new album. At least mention it. No, it's just pre mind you, you know. If you're him, uh, like nobody's gonna, no one's interested in asking you about your new, about your new album. All anyone wants to know about is what's happening with Priest. What's happening with Priest? Oh, Avenged Sevenfold. Their album is ninety percent done. Well, here's playing for a fire at that studio or in the cloud. Um, Avenged Sevenfold's new album is ninety percent done after seventy-eight piece orchestra records its parts. Jesus, can you imagine that in COVID times? A 78-piece orchestra, what do you have to do? Get get each of them to come in individually and do their parts. Fucking hell, that must be mental. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm saying there's a really, really bad standard of news out there. And just nothing that I found particularly inspiring or interesting. Absolutely fucking nothing. So here I am, just having a chat with you, highlighting the fact that we've got an, um, uh, another new violence track to listen to, that we've got a, no, a, a brand new creator track. Yay! That is, that's fucking news. Actual releases. There's a new Corn album. Now look, you can say what you like about Corn, right? You can say what you like. But man, they're consistent. Now, I know some people will be listening and go, yeah, but why do they bother? I wish they'd just stop. Look, there is people out there who buy this shit on day of release. I'm not necessarily one of them, but I tell you what, album previous to the album that's just about to come out, um, Nothing, was in my top 10, remember, of a couple of years ago. So still capable of delivering here and there. But, you know, at least it is a, a band who are actually doing something, releasing stuff. I'm just sick of all the fucking bitching and moaning and just fucking, oh, this and that. And, and you know, oh, someone's house has been listed for this much. And who gives a flying fuck? And all you hear from at the moment, these news sites are packed with Gene Simmons, um, uh, Ted Nugent, KK Downing, uh, Sammy Hagar. It, basically... Haven't any young bands got anything to say? Mind you, even if they did, um, I'm, I'm sure it's not getting reported because these are the big old temple names that are still dragging people's eyes um, to music websites. So it's a bit of a fucking strange one, to be honest. I mean, I, I, you know, it's a really weird um, kind of news landscape that we have in the world of metal because I know I've, I've mentioned this a few times over the um uh, the last few months, but it's it's basically we've you know we're no different, we're no better than 
any other aspect of rolling news, which basically means absolutely anything is going to get posted up as a news story, including stuff that's just not news, like, you know, um, Vinnie Paul's fucking house being sold and people don't know who the buyer is. Well, you know, I mean, that's literally not a story, is it? I mean, the story is he sells his house and -and so-and-so has bought it or it's sold for this and, you know... Oh right, okay. There's your story. No, oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Vinnie Paul. Yeah, yeah. He's dead, isn't he? Yeah. Well, sold his house. Oh right. Who bought it? Don't know. Right. So. So Vinnie Paul hasn't sold his house because he can't. He's dead. So. The Vinnie Paul estate, which we don't know who that's made up of, but presumably some members of the Paul family, um, they they've sold they've sold his old house, yeah, and uh, and no one knows no one knows who to. No, do we know how much for? No. Right, so we don't know who to how much for and the guy's house it is. Has been dead for a few years. Yeah. Fucking stick it on the front page. Let's run with that. Hey, that's got to be a... That's got to be the new story of the century, hasn't it? I don't know. I'm just fucking waffling here, really, aren't I? Um, I guess it's... it's. I don't know. I'm, I'm frustrated. and I'm frustrated and annoyed um, with the state of the fucking news. I mean, I've just sit and scrolled through it. I mean, look, this is a first, isn't it? This is the first, normally, it all, it, I'm just, yeah, I'll always find some new stories that it's worth picking apart. But no, fucking nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I got to thinking, and I was just, just in general, you know, listening to music. I mean, I listen to a lot of music um, when I'm either driving or travelling or whatever. Um, if, I'm wor- if I'm at home, I tend to be working on something. I mean, believe it or not, this is work. I can, I, you know, I class this as work, okay. Um... But I will listen to music on headphones most of the time. And it's just great. Just recently, I've been able to just listen to stuff in the house a bit more often. And I'd completely forgotten what a fucking joy it is. Um, I mean, Mastodon, Hushed and Grim on CD through a stereo in the house sounds great. On just about everything else, it sounds fucking awful. Um and I'm really dug digging strength by unto others. I know I mentioned it on the um um old bollocks podcast but um yeah it's honestly the 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 overtones of kind of new model army fields and the nephilim um but there's some old school metal just appears now and again as well and it's just it's really i mean put it this way i've said enough that you're either interested in hearing it or thinking that sounds like it would make my ears vomit if i heard that so you know i i i, I get it i get it but um, a new voivod that is that is definitely um, wetting my whistle, as it were. Um, but again, I don't want to spe- I don't want to mention too too much about that because that's that's going to be a future. Um, I, well, I would imagine that's definitely going to be a, a future mention in um, old bollocks. Um, so anyway, look, I'm not going to waffle on any longer, other than to say I'm really disappointed with the news, guys. I'm really disappointed with the news. And I'm, I'm sorry I wasn't able to bring you actual news, but it would seem that our community and, me, and, and largely Blabbermouth have just settled for 
absolute fucking total nonsense as news. Nonsense. That's so pathetic, isn't it? That really is. It's like when somebody says, it's like when anybody refers to something as awful or dreadful. I always think it sounds like so, oh, that was awful. Oh, it's dreadful. It just sounds like, yeah, you, yeah, right. That's, that, that probably wasn't awful or dreadful then because, because you use those words. And I don't know, I'm just fucking talking. Sh- right, an apology. I apologise for the last 15 minutes. I've, I really haven't brought anything to the fucking table whatsoever. I mean, you know, you might or might not have been looking forward to this podcast. And I, I've probably absolutely just sucked the joy of life out of you whilst you've been waiting for this podcast. So what a fucking chore listening to this me go on and on about fucking nothing. And not only that, I've got nothing to add about nothing. So the news story is, I am a fucking twat. That's the fucking news story. Right, well, come on, please. Chris, save us. This was a great... In Chris, we trust. Um, This was a really cool... Well, look, I'm not going to say it was really cool because you're going to hear it and it's up to you to decide whether it's really cool. Again, I am leaving the uh, Patreon bits in. I'm not... This is not a new thing. It's not going to happen all the time. But I'm just trying to make you realise that if you got involved with Patreon, you'd get this podcast early. It'd be much longer. you get all sorts of other bits and pieces. you get a two-hour radio show. you get a fucking two, three-hour live podcast once a month. Honestly, it's a right laugh. Join in. There's a fucking link in this fucking podcast description. It says join the podcast Patreon. Click on it, you fuckers, and fucking join. Right, now, it's time for myself and the legend, the fucking legend, that is Chris Contos. I was listening to Chris Contos when when I first got into Attitude Adjustment. I was over the moon to see that um, he was playing Machine Head. Burn my eyes. What a fucking performance that is. Great drummer. Great bloke. We've got a great friend in common, Jace Lewis. And we had a great chat for the podcast. Well, you know, I say it is, but it's up to you to decide what's great and what isn't. Okay, it's now time for the interview. Thank fuck for that, eh? I'm going to stop jabbering on. But what I am going to tell you is you can watch the entire interview, minus all of the crap I've just been moaning about, so probably preferable. But if you're listening to this now, you must be thinking, oh, fuck, what? You mean I could have just gone straight to the interview and actually watched it and not listened to any of this shit? Yeah, I'm afraid you could. So go to the go to the YouTube um, uh, YouTube Talking Bollocks channel, which is Talking Bollocks with a Z on the end instead of an S, and you'll be able to watch the two of us having a chat on Zoom. This is Chris and I catching up not long ago. <laughs> Thank God that's over. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly, Chris. Awesome, brother. Hello, how are you? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing okay. Cool, cool. Does it feel feel good to be back in the saddle? You know, you're doing interviews with people the other side of the world and all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. A little bit of a apocalypse relief, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Any little bit of normality that we can that we can grab hold of right now, you know? Jesus, grasping at straws at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, we 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 did uh, we were um, lucky enough to play a festival in the summer. Played two festivals actually. Um, lucky, 
Yeah, very. And then uh, and then one uh, one guitarist got COVID and a bass player got COVID. Bass player was fine. One guitarist was like massively ill, and we had yeah. six, we had we had six dates to play, so we had to play them as a four piece instead of a five piece. Crazy, um, but but of course it also made made me suddenly think, shit. If one of us goes down, everything gets cancelled. So we just had to we had to bring in the whole you know social distancing. You know, everyone's got their own sharpie. You know, and just if you want a selfie, you've got to, it's got to be just slightly apart. It's tough, man. Tough. It is. It is. It's uh, been a challenge this whole time. You know, Machine Head, yeah. we all got, we all got sick in very early in February of yes, 20. Of course. Yeah. You were one of the, you were one of the first bands to bring us, to bring us what it's like to be uh, down yes. with COVID. Yeah, it was brutal, you know, because we didn't know and we were going to urgent care and had rock docs coming backstage and diagnosis was kind of like um, it's walking pneumonia, strep throat flu. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, are you asking us or telling us, doc? You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was rough, you know, and uh, it kind of swept through the tour. You know, we got it uh, February first through the fourth in new york i think is when we all kind of came down with it and oh, then yeah. by the time we were in canada by the ninth i was sicker than i'd ever been in my life and um you know there was like groups of us out of the 17 out of 29 people that got it there were like groups like really severe and then the next group and the next group yeah. down to down to guys that were like yeah i feel like shit i got tour aids no big deal uh <laughs> You know, but we really found out was when uh, Luke Bell went home and he was really sick and then he was diagnosed. And then, of course, I mean, we had every generic uh, symptom, you know, you could imagine. Right. And uh, he kind of confirmed it for us, you know, so. Yeah. And that that's um, I mean, that's a per that's a perfect kind of segue into you know what what was it like being out there again and um, and, and playing those songs after after all that time? It was amazing. You know, I mean, the when those guys left, when Dave and Phil left the band, um, you know, I knew it was the, the cusp of the 25th anniversary. Um, I knew Rob was going to call, you know, I, I, I just <laughs> I just I knew it because it was it was the only thing that really made sense at that point. And it was, uh, yeah. you know, but more than the going out, you know, crushing the, the old beef between me and Rob you know, right. was, was massive. I mean, I've said it before, um, even without the tour, just having that five hour dinner where myself and Joey and, and Rob, uh, sat down and just kind of hashed it all out, dude. I mean, you, you don't realize how much stuff you push down, yeah. how much pain, pain and angst and aggravation and disappointment and regret you push down when you're 24, 25 years old. And then you're sitting there at 52 yeah. And you come with the big feelings, you know, and we were able to just exercise all of that stuff out. I, I you know, I, I liken it to just pulling a giant glob of, of black tar out of my body, you know, yeah. and uh, me and Rob became better friends. But I, I'll say it, we became friends for the first time, not adversaries or two rams on top of a yeah. mountain. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we both had our separate careers, very young, um, both came in kind of with our own bravado and our own kind of, uh, you know, 
way about going about things, you know, and, and, yeah. uh, you know, I just, uh, on this tour, it was such a love fest. I got to tell you, dude, everybody got <laughs> along. I think there was a, a, a break in, in the way things had been going for machine head at that point, uh, having Logan back, having everybody kind of bond on the road. And, yeah. uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. And yeah. the, the first, the first few weeks was just a madhouse. You know, we had Dom Larson out there, uh, kind of with us as a kind of live in, uh, you know, journalist and we were doing photo shoots and doing videos and, you know, those first 15 days was insane. And I yeah. had never had, I had never had plans so far ahead of me, you know, I mean, it was, it was almost eight months of preparation, yeah. you know, and took on a lot of things about my drumming that I had never done before, like playing live to a click, uh, rehearsing to a click track. Wow. wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You never was a click guy. What's what's that? What's that like? Because as a as a drummer, is that I I mean I know it's an old comparison, but it's like it's like driving with a handbrake on, right? Uh, well, you know, I had to sell out to it, you know. And uh, yeah. as my buddy my buddy Jeff Gomes from Mordred uh, told me, you got to make it your bitch, <laughs> you know. You yeah. you have to you have to make it part of the song, and you have to realize that you can either let it confine you in a box, or you can make it more of a guideline and uh yeah and play around you know, it yeah and and use it as form but you know really what was the big thing was like i'm a very free form drummer uh john bonham keith moon yeah uh, cozy cozy powell uh ian pace you know kind of like move the song with the energy kind of guy you know um when we were building the click tracks, they, they did a computer thing on Davidian and it, it sourced 159 tempo changes. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. So, yeah. so it was uh, a bit of a challenge to find that, that medium between what's going to make right, the song yeah. move, move the way it did. And uh, you know, some songs we ended up on tour, just kind of tossing the click out yeah. um, be, because it was, it was confining and Rob, sensed that there was some special energy happening with letting the top blow off at the end of the song you know yeah. and um so yeah that was that was really a challenge but uh with with the help of steve lagudi and and rob kind of pushing me along and encouraging me um i was able to do it and i and i really do i do believe that like look like rob said if you're on the road and and your dog dies you're gonna come on stage and just play flat and lethargic and uh, you know, and then if you're in Germany and you got 15 friends there, you're gonna play fucking a million miles per hour, all super stoked, and yeah. it preserves yeah. it preserves the integrity of the tempo of each song and the vibe. So I just uh, sold out to that. That's a, that's a really that's a I hadn't I hadn't thought of that. You know, I've only been playing in bands for 25 years, <laughs> um, right? But right. I, I hadn't thought of that, and it's, it's absolutely right. And you know, yeah, you come off stage and it's you know it's that moment where you turn to one member and you're like, what the what the fuck were you doing tonight? What what yeah. show were you playing? Because right. you know, I, or you or you like halfway through a set, you think he's got friends here, right? <laughs> you, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. and I know yeah. I know for a fact I victimized songs over the years due to those kind of uh, those kind of situations, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially people coming off 
shaking their hands like, oh my God, dude, you were flying. I could barely, and then, you know, the riff, the riff gets mushed and, and the, the picking structures get, you know, eliminated. And Absolutely, absolutely. It's, and it's such a fine margin as well, especially with thrash, because you have, yeah. that, you have to have that definition. Because, if, yeah. you know, if, if triplets are triplets. If someone's too fast, it's a fucking mess. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, you know, the other part of it was just like, for me, you know, my nickname in Machine Head is General Public. You know, I love to bash down the the rock star vibe, the yeah. uh, the whole us. The I hate the word punters. You know, I. Well, I, well you're from a hard you're from a hardcore background, aren't you? You're from a hardcore background, so it's kind of yeah. Like, it, it it's yeah. all about sharing the vibe, and I'm still a front row guy. I collect drumsticks. Um, you know, I'm an autograph hound. Um. You know, I still get starstruck, you know, so. Oh, well, thank you very much. Hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so going and meeting the people and, and, and hanging out in front of the show and, and, and getting that interaction is so important to me. And, you know, Rob and Jared both told me, dude, you're really going to enjoy, you know, our fan base and they're yeah. going to enjoy your enthusiasm to meet them and stuff. So it was in that way, really, really rewarding. You know? uh, yeah, and also you you would be meeting you'd be meeting fans who didn't get a chance to see the band back in the day, yeah. but yeah. you'd also be meeting fans who weren't weren't alive uh, or you know or discovered you know discovered burn my eyes later in life, but it's been massively influential for them. So sure. you've got a whole hodgepodge of people to to, yeah. to to connect with on so many yeah. different levels. It was super enjoyable. It really was, and. Um... You know, yeah, and, and you get to flip, like I said, you get to flip the script a little bit, man. I'm just a metalhead, man. I'm, I'm still a fucking battle vest and, and you I know, know. I noticed, yeah. Yeah, you know, so I, it's like, there's no, I, I feel you can, you can waste a tremendous amount of experience and time uh, kicking it backstage or hiding on the bus playing video games, you know, for some yeah. people, for some people, it's too much, you know, to, yeah. to give, to give yourself a hundred percent on stage and then give yourself a hundred percent after yeah. But, um, you know, the meet and greets were super cool. Um, meeting people, getting to chat, the way Machine Head handle their meet and greets is, I think, pretty unique. It's a real long kind of experience where you not only walk the line and get stuff signed, but then we chill afterwards and we, you know, do the selfies and the talks and oh, you know, cool. all that stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, so that was that was really special. And so, yeah, it was um it was very, very cool to kind of sledgehammer the legacy uh, that the record has. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the production was over the top, biggest production Machine Head had ever brought out. You know, I yeah. uh, talked Rob into Pyro. Brilliant. Brilliant. You know, and, and that was like a dream come true for me to play on stage as, as, you know, being such a huge Kiss fan and stuff to finally feel the, finally feel the heat was uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty over the top, man. I. I felt like Bruce Lee stuck in an Evil Knievel commercial in Gene Gene Simmons boots. You know, the, the twelve the twelve year old kid in me was absolutely flipping out. You know, so that's uh, that, was, yeah. I mean that that must have been just amazing, and it's and it's also amazing the amount the amount of guys um, in bands from the states that I talk to who reference Kiss as an influence because being from the I mean I'm not a fan, but being from yeah. the UK, being from the UK they were you know they were ne they were never that big here right. But, right. but it's amazing the amount of people in metal who were influenced 
by Kiss yeah. of, of 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 our era. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, I've always been a production whore, you know, I mean, I was brought up on Alice Cooper and, you know, that, yeah, that mystique that, you know, become a character kind of, you know, I've said a lot of times, you know, I, I'm more of an entertainer than I am a musician. I, I feel that there are two different worlds, you know, um, and, you know, getting up there and, and being entertaining and, and taking the, the, the hard-earned entertainment dollar from people if you go up there just with a couple white lights in bad purple sweats and you know yeah. it just it for me it's a little flat you know and i so oh yeah oh yeah there's nothing it, there's nothing worse than going seeing a band and like you know the, the bass player's walking around like he's lost a contact lens you know and it's just, yeah. and it's just like you know, no, that's not what it's about. I, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I mean, I've, I've done stand up for 25 years, and yeah. I, I'm a singer as well. So yeah. it's kind of like, you know, for me, I was influenced very early on in my career, where, uh, where I went to see, I went to see um, a UK band called Marillion, and the, oh, yeah. and the singer, fish. yeah, fish, fucking, am- I've been ripping him off ever since. Because, nice, you know, first, nice. gig, first gig I ever went to, it was like. You play the song and it's like, oh, my God, the entertainment doesn't stop between songs. Yeah. It carries on. And then the song starts. And I was like, a light bulb went off. You know, I was like, so if you can give people 100 percent instead of just like 60 percent between songs, you know, yeah. Why waste that time? Right. Right. And and yeah, I mean, I always believe in you've you've got to and also making every every show unique. You know? Yeah, if you can, if you yeah. can, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yes. And so I, it was, uh, it was awesome to be out there on that size production and you know doing the yeah. live streams and stuff and uh, you know bonding with Matt Alston and you know sharing the same drum set. I think really blew a lot of kids' minds and people's minds uh, yeah. that we were. It was a real leave your ego at the door kind of tour. Um, yeah. You know, serve the tour, serve the song. Uh, relinquish some of that stuff you know that you may bring to a tour where it's like well i only play white drum sets or <laughs> or you know I mean, like yeah yeah you absolutely. know yeah i know what you mean it, I know it, was, what you mean. it was about it was about making it really happen for the tour and uh yeah it was great we i mean i had i had a blast man the, the great the great thing about that as well is that is that when when it's like that if you do have one person who's being a dick they they soon get policed by everybody else for sure, you know, for sure. And it's like, no, get back in line. That's not how this is working. And yeah, uh, and I have, I, I've just remembered. I um, oh, I've remembered. I think I saw you guys, including you, playing um, uh, well, playing basically a burn my eyes set in London Astoria, a Christmas oh, yeah. show, Christmas, Christmas show, show where the stage got invaded at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just couldn't see the band at all. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was a big thing. That was a big thing on that tour. I mean, me and Rob, we uh, we ripped out quite a few barriers on that tour. We were like, get that out of there, you know, because yeah, it, there's uh, something lost with the elbows on the stage. You know, the 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 people right there stage diving. I'm I'm a huge stage dive fan. I'm you know into that, and uh, yeah, I'm on that tour. It got out of control a few times. I'll, you know, more than a few times in, in Barcelona, it was absolutely crazy. Kids were trying to steal our stomp pedals, yeah. uh, running back to the drum set. I, I mean, it, it got out of control, but you know what? There's that element of free form and, and, and out of control that is 
is awesome as well, you know? The, Absolutely. I mean, I've experienced it myself and there's no, there's nothing quite as amusing as see, as going back into the dressing room and uh, your guitarist realises that um, the knobs on his guitar have been stolen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We had to stop. We had to stop doing blackouts on that tour because every time we black out the lights, you would just hear the thumping on the stage. <laughs> And then you'd like to come on and there'd be like four people like with a hat and a fucking pair of, you know, they would strip the picks off the mic stand and, and you know, we were like, whoa, yeah. and the roadies were going crazy. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story that has a connection to the reunion tour. Uh, we played in, um, in Vienna on the 95 tour and uh, a kid came up on stage and he ran behind Rob and he grabbed Rob's hat off of his head. Now, of course, grabbing a bundle of hair as well. Yeah. Janked Rob's head back, jumped off the stage, dove into the crowd, and and Rob kind of freaked out. Rob was super fucking pissed. And our road crew jumped in the crowd, and they chased him through the wake of people. And the kid just handed it to some big guy as he ran by. He just put the hat on some guy's chest, you know? So right. the dude dude just handed the, the hat back. Well, Rob, Rob said... uh. You know, where is that guy? Who, you know, who stole my hat? Kind of breaking the show, you know? And the kid came up to the front and Rob stepped across the barrier and he fucking laid the guitar down on him. Just whack, like hit this kid oh, in the head. Fuck. And I think he just wanted to give him a good knock, but he split this kid's head open Ow, like yeah. really bad. And the crowd started booing and we played like four more songs and got the fuck off stage. Well, about 20 minutes later, there was a knock on the backstage door and it was Austrian police, the kid, the kid in a giant egg bandage. Yeah. And the kid's older brother. And uh, they were going to press charges on the kid for stealing the hat. Yeah. And they wanted to talk to Rob. So they talked to Rob. It seemed to be ironed out, and uh, we gave the kid a ton of merchandise and stuff. Well, the next day, obviously, he went home. The parents saw the bandage and all that, and uh, the cops came to the next show and pulled Rob in for about seven hours. Uh, pretty dicey. Could have been deported for striking, yeah. a striking a national and all that, you know. So um, it got ironed out. And uh, on this Machine Head tour, we went back to Vienna and the guy showed up. And, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And he was there and we all spoke and uh, still had the scar, of course. And um, it was really trippy, man, to just have this moment so many years later. Yeah. Um, he didn't go see Machine Head again. Uh, right. Remained a fan of the music, but always had this. Yeah. Sauce yeah soft spot for the band <laughs> yeah and um it was just great meeting him and, and kicking back and chilling with him and, and rob did a whole big thing during uh the beginning of um uh, i can't remember the um the name of the song rob does like a break where he kind of talks to the crowd and told the story and the dude got up on the shoulders of his mate and stuff and the crowd was all waving to him and stuff awesome and Awesome. Yeah, it was cool. It was like a clo it was like a closure, you know. We got a little yeah. closure on that whole situation, which was cool. So, and there were lots of 
lots of little moments like that that happened where like we had partied with people or we you know somebody had helped us out during a you know a time on tour and we got to reunite with them so that was that was super special those moments see you weren't the only one who got to bury a beef with rob this uh this this kid was able to do there you go yeah 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 it was cool that's awesome man well um i want to i want to travel travel back in time Okay, because because you play on two of my favorite albums, one, of course, being Burn My Eyes, um, but the other being American Paranoia. Oh, Um, cool. Right on, man. Well, I'm as as a kid, I was very much into my hardcore alongside my thrash, you know, and and, crossover. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, and it, it always had like a big influence on me. And, you know, Andy was, a you know, a, a, an influence as a as a singer and a front man as well. Sure. Um, and I'm trying to get him on the podcast. and He won't fucking come on. But anyway, that's he won't thing. do anything. He won't do anything. <laughs> right. OK, I feel better. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, so thanks for that. But um, that's like that's that. Obviously, you've got the demo. Um, and that is, yeah. is that your like kind of your first experience in the studio and everything. And how old were you? Um, and like how just kind of freaked out were you by the fact that it's like, wow, I'm recording a record? Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely my first band. Um, we started in the summer of 83, uh, rehearsing as a three piece. We were called Homicidal Youth. And um, then we by the time it became 90 or 84, we uh, got Kevin Reed from Teenage Warning on vocals. And that's when it became Attitude Adjustment. My friend Mike Kennett named the band. He, uh, he did an ollie over a bum in San Francisco. And the guy jumped up and told him he was going to give him an Attitude Adjustment. And Mike said, you should name your band that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a fucking awesome name. Brought it to the band. That's how we kind of started. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the influences that were going on in the band at that time were, like you said, completely crossover from from Celtic yeah. Frost to GBH, from, you know, Cro-Mags to Slayer to, you know, just across the board. So we all kind of brought something. So it was like a pure crossover band, you know, metalheads and punks in the band. And, uh, yeah, that demo was a trip. We recorded it with Doug Piercy from Heathen. And... Um, those songs all kind of, I, I don't remember writing the songs. That's how fast the writing process, it was just all happening so fast at that time. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Kevin Reed got in some trouble. He had to go on a little uh, state paid vacation. <laughs> and uh, of course, at that age, you just, he's in prison. He's dead. He's, we're never going to see him again. You know, that kind of. Yes. Vibe. Yeah. 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 And, that's when Chris Caparo and uh, Andy Anderson came into the fold. And I had gone to high school with, was in high school with Andy and Chris. And uh, that's when the band really solidified. I think that's when we found our momentum. And, uh, you know, Pusshead was interested um, in signing the band. And, and that was crazy to us, you know, like a record deal. Like, whoa. Yeah. But not not outside the box, you know, because our our peers and our other bands that we were into were getting signed. And that was kind of a hotbed at that time for independent punk rock labels putting bands out. So, um, yeah, the demo was killer. I, I, you know, the the American Paranoia record, I, you know, I it has its merits and everything. I still wish we could have recorded it somewhere else and maybe even taken a more uh, British approach to the 24 track big sound. Because right. it was a 16 track and I feel it's kind of muffled. And, you know, I think uh, 
production thing didn't really hit the Bay Area. There's a lot of poorly produced albums from back then. But in saying that, it has its it has its own stylistic vibe and you yeah. know it does it it does its thing. So you but know but also but also from a fan's point of view, um I want I want to I want to pick you up there because from a fan's point of view, um I thought it sounded sonically a lot better than um, a lot of your peers and a lot of stuff that I was listening to at that time that was coming out at that time. And, I, and, okay, cool. and, and I've always been an order file and I've always been into production. Um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it, can, it can make or break a record because you can have a great For record, sure. but if it's unlistenable, then it's fucked. For sure. You know? Um, yeah. But I, was, but I was always, I always thought that it sounded great and it sounded, and, you know, it sounded like that's that step above. But that's a perspective of a listener that when you, that's an outsider looking in, Whereas when right. you're inside looking out, you you want it a certain way, and you're disappointed right. if it's not a certain way. But I can right. tell you, I can honestly tell you, it, it it you put a lot of bands in the shade, and I, I thought I thought it sounded oh, wow. great. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I do, I do. Not at yeah. all. And and you came, you came, you came back to the band in '91. Well, actually, uh, when those guys, it's funny, but you know, we recorded that record, and before it even came out, Andy, Chris, and Rick split. They wanted to, to do a different thing. They wanted to bring Keith Chatham into the band from Condemned to Death. And uh, I was not feeling that combination. And they wanted to go a little bit more rock and roll, a uh, little bit. And it just wasn't feeling it. So basically Thanksgiving Day of 86, they left the band. The record hadn't even been released yet. So oh, happy Thanksgiving, Chris. Oh, it was a bit of a, it was, yeah, we had a, I mean, it turned into a fist fight in front of my house. It was oh, fucking kid, gnarly. Kids, kids, we, you know, we were, we were shit to each other as kids. Yeah, I was pretty devastated because I had high hopes for the band to go out on tour. We were getting offers from big bands to go out. Plus I'd had a big plan of attack for us to go out. And I felt yeah. like we were getting our, you know, getting our legs cut out. And then, you know, they go on to call the band Condemned Attitude. And then it became Attitude which was our nickname. Uh, Andy definitely did that on purpose because much like Suicidal Tendencies or a lot of two-name bands, you get abbreviated. So people were like, you know, are you going to go see Attitude? You know, that was our nickname. So yeah. well played. And then when they, <laughs> they did the European tour, I think a lot of people were a little confused. It caused a lot of confusion. So I got... Kevin Reed back in the band by 80 by the spring of 87 I had Kevin Reed and Eric McIntyre back in the band and um, that's when we did our in 88 we did No More Mr. Nice Guy uh, with Ray Vegas on bass from Social Unrest yeah and then yeah 1990 we did the Out of Hand record and then yeah dude just between meth and alcohol and girlfriends <laughs> and we just broke up we just it just exploded and we weren't yeah. together again for like 19 years and then wow. night yeah then 97 the guys gave me a call and said that their band deface was offered a couple shows with raw power from italy which was another huge influence on us uh, and would I be interested they didn't have a drummer at the time? And they said, would I be interested in doing the show? And I said, yeah, I'll do the show if we end the set with a package of of Attitude Adjustment songs. Yeah. 
And they were into that idea and we did. And the place absolutely fucking exploded. Yeah. So, so we kind of got back together and had a pretty good run from 2007 to 2012. We, uh, got to tour Europe for the first time. We recorded a new album uh, with two Madsen who uh, produced all kinds of bands. Everybody yeah. Yeah. Too. I mean, he, he's, he's like in the stratosphere these days, isn't he? Yeah. He's yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Totally. Totally. That, uh, by the way, it, we, by the way, great sounding record as well. Uh, yeah. We had a good time with that one. You know, uh, we recorded it with my buddy, uh, Anders Ludmark from Conqueror. Uh, I was in that band Conqueror in 97 yeah. Uh, and so we, I've always stayed real close with him and he had starstruck studios there in Denmark. So we kind of rounded off the tour by ending up in Denmark and recording the record, uh, put it out on Tang records. It's kind of a phantom album, kind of hard to find. Um, yeah, I, I, I found it eventually, but, um, I, I it, but it's, it's it, like you said, phantom record. It's overlooked as well. It's, it's a, cause I was, I was genuine. I, I was just like, wandering around the internet and attitude adjustment popped in my head for some reason. I was like searching everywhere and I found it. And, yeah. you know, I, on, you know, honesty is the best policy. I thought, yeah, this is going to be shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. Nice. And, and I was blown away by it. I, I was like, wow, this is, I mean, I was guilt. I was guilty of there's no Andy. Um, right. Oh, right. I'm going to treat it with a lot of suspicion. I, I, I was I was like, this is really good. Right. You know, it's a trip. Andy was only in Attitude Adjustment a total of seven months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he, it was very I was, fast. Well, I, know, I, I, like I, I said, I followed Attitude, you see. We the whole We Bite Records thing, you know, yeah, the EP yeah. with a big face, which yeah. which 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 was like now you mentioned the name, you think of that cover art, and I'm thinking that cover art was also a fuck you as well. A little bit little bit yeah, yeah yeah there was there was some fuck you going on for quite a while <laughs> you know yeah yeah you know, i tried to re i tried to reunite the band for a live show we uh we got the chance to open up for anvil on, oh, uh cool. in 2008 i believe and i wanted to get andy and rick and chris up on stage to you know just because we're playing the fillmore and that was a dream shot for us you know and um but yeah andy has just really made it clear he doesn't want to go backwards doesn't want to go back to the past um yeah you know he he uh signed off you know for the the tang release of the archives and stuff but that's about all he's been willing to do was kind of sign the contracts to get the old record out you know on tang records yeah but uh yeah dude it was um it was cool to do that record it was um something that kind of been in the can for all of us you know um yeah some new songs are on there. Some songs that were actually death toll songs that hadn't seen the light of day. So we kind of spoofed them up, kind of gave them that attitude adjustment flair, um, a little bit of crossover there. And um, yeah, I'm proud of that record. I, I wish it was out there more. You know, we're going to be going uh, forward with releasing the catalog on Beer City Records. So it'll be coming out on Beer City. It'll probably be a little bit more accessible uh, for people to find that uh, No Way Back album. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, I've, I've only got it digitally, so it'd be, it'd be great to get a physical release if they're going to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I'll make sure you get one. Oh, please do. That's, that's, sure. that's, uh, that's just awesome. It's so it, is there any plans like going back to American paranoia? Is there any kind of remaster plans or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to remaster actually the whole catalog. Cause that's what didn't happen when we put it out on Tang records. It's, he didn't do anything like that. So, right. uh, 
Beer City, Mike at Beer City is going to do like a whole big thing. And we're going to do liner notes and we've got some special little things we're going to put in the records. Um, oh, man, this is this know. is like this is what I love, love hearing about. This is like this is yeah. like I'm like a kid at Christmas for stuff like this. And, you know, like, and vinyl. You know, that's that's the cool thing is that finally all that stuff's going to be kind of reissued on vinyl, you know. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, had, I Oh, that's awesome. I had it on vinyl and CD. So, you know. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. Um, but and, and for a for for a kind of for a band that started at school, um, you've had a good old run, and it's taken you all over the world. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, yeah, I'm very thankful and grateful that you know my music career has been able to do, you know, basically what I wanted it to do as far as you know get that you know get the music yeah. out there and and like I said, make connections with people. I have so many dear friends lifelong friends and you know facebook really opened up that lotus too because you meet all these people when it was still just dial up phone and yeah. and everything and you lose contact with people and everything and that 2008 moment happens and all of a sudden everybody's on myspace and then you know it, it folds into facebook and i've i've reconnected with so many people that i met throughout yeah. the the different bands i've been in and uh, that's why I can't, you know, that's why I kind of can't quit Facebook really, because my, ex <laughs> my experience on Facebook, though there have been some, some, you know, bullshit arguments and some weird things like that. It's actually been awesome for reconnecting and staying in touch. And, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, I met the incomparable Jace Lewis. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, and we've we're just fucking brothers. I mean, we are so close. Um, the dude has been there for me in so many different ways, and you know, we've written music together, and we've done. Oh, I know, I know, music. We're never gonna fucking hear. Yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. The colossal loss thing is going to happen. Cool, um, cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, COVID kind of you know fucked that. We we were all prepped to to do that with Caesar Sato from Ministry and Logan Mater. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his bass player, Scion. And uh, so, yeah, that's going to happen. It's just, you know, we needed the COVID thing to kind of lighten up. So uh, oh, going, back awesome over, going back over to Wales to record with him. And, uh, you know, dude, just, dude, I'm there. I'm there. I will come down. I'll pay you a visit. Uh, I'll do unwanted. Be awesome. I'll, I'll do some unwanted guest vocals. <laughs> no, that'd be awesome, dude. We'd, we'd love that. That would be oh, awesome. Absolutely. I mean, uh, that, I mean, that studio is a special place. I mean, we, you know, recorded our first album for 29 years um, with Jace. And, yeah. um, and, and, you know, he got, he got the best performance out of my career out of me. And I, I it's an awesome I, record. Know, man. I, 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 oh, thank you very much. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. It's awesome. Really um, enjoy it. I mean, his, 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 his like, production on that his input and everything else was just was huge absolutely yeah, he's a bit of a fucking huge. genius he really is <laughs> so totally underestimated and the funny thing is is like in i would say when the album came out i would say seven to eight out of ten reviews refer to the production oh yeah and and and, and that for me is is so cool because it it, it was earned you know, because sure, sure. You know, he's the quality of the the quality of the sonics and everything else. And, you know, the reason yeah. why the reason why it doesn't sound like laptop metal is that there's 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 real sounds on there because it's, you yeah. know, real drums. It's yeah. real guitar. Oh, he insists. Yeah, yeah, he insists on the real sound, you know.
Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's those connections meeting someone like him, you know, he, he's, yeah. he's his machine head moment. He's 15 years old. You know what I mean? And, you know, kind of have that, but more than that, the friendship that we've, we've built, you know, yeah. is immense, you know? Yeah, no, he's, um, I, I, he's spoken, spoken of you um, fondly many times. Um, nice. And, I watched and, you guys, I watched your podcast with him quite uh, some time ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Quite some time ago. Um, yeah. I think I was beefing. I think I was beefing about uh, Manchester United. <laughs> with you guys for a little, <laughs> oh, little bit yeah yeah i think i'll uh i i think i'll move swiftly on um okay we yeah. should right now we're fucking shite uh, yeah 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 well you know we're, we're we're trying to just stay in the league so um you know right but, um but um yeah and i mean I, I totally agree with facebook and stuff but and the other thing as well is that you can you know you can you can connect you know outside of social media but when when you when you bump into somebody that you like you did a tour with like 15 20 years ago yeah. and you go hey dude and you're like oh cool and it's like it's like they walked out the door and came back in again yeah yeah you know? it's, i it's, super value that it's really hard to describe to somebody who hasn't been in a band how it feels and yeah. and, and how it works and i can only describe it is you have such unique experiences that, yeah. are, that are frozen in time and they're such treasured yeah. memories that for sure. when you reconnect with that person, you might, like I said, you might not have seen him for 15, 20 years, but it make, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, it's it, special, special. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And, um, and we kind of, you know, coming up to uh, more up to date, we've completely got about this all, you know, all over the map, but you know, who, who cares? It's all good. Yeah. Who cares? Um, you, you're, you're back with the boneless ones. So, um, yeah. So yeah. how, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah, that's a trippy one. You know, I joined that band concurrent. Actually, I was in both bands. I was in Attitude Adjustment and the Boneless Ones in 86, 87. Uh, when I joined that band, I kind of walked into a bit of a hornet's nest. They were already at each other's throats. Um, oh, lovely. Kind of kind of disintegrating at the moment I joined. And uh, the band split up. We moved away from Max. And I went into a band called Hell's Kitchen. Um, and... Uh, you know, 35 years later, uh, the guitar player, Luke Skeels, passed away. He had years oh. of years of, you know, drug abuse and uh, having too much fun, mental, mental health issues and stuff ah, really pl pl plagued him and, and, you know, combination of both. But he passed away. And I think it put a bit of a mortality check on everybody as that will happen when a, a yeah. band member dies you know legacy kind of person for you and max reached out to me and he was real gung-ho about getting the boneless ones back together and i kind of told him hey timing's everything you know uh, at that time i was removed from the music industry uh was racing bmx real hard super committed to to racing bmx and uh really changed my life and wasn't even thinking about being in a band so i kind of pushed him off kind of held him off 2017 2018 and then uh kind of felt right around 2019 to start thinking about doing it and boom the machine head thing kicks off and uh right yeah you know so we we rehearsed we got a we went through a couple guitar players um they had a fill-in drummer for because we had you know done a couple shows 
and uh, they got a fill-in drummer while I was out on the road. They did a couple shows with him, uh, Dave from the Avengers. And uh, when we got back, we were just struggling with the guitar player thing, you know, because Luke, Luke was super. He's one of uh, Joe Satriani's top first top ten students, so um, he was super skilled, if not over skilled, to be in a thrashy skate rock band. You know, he did all the bar tricks and the hammer-ons and all the cool, snazzy flair. And we just weren't getting that out of the guitar players we were playing with. Either they were too punk rock or too bluesy. And um, I reached out to Craig LeCicero from Forbidden, Man Made I, God, I, I know, Alarms. I know, I, know Craig, I know Craig very well. There's, there's another Facebook yeah. connection that I made after 20 years. Nice, nice. Yeah. And a, I just, such a great dude. He just amazing. And, um, you know, I was in spiral arms with him, uh, which was a totally different style of music. Uh, yes. But yes. I, do you know what? I think I interviewed him around, around the time where you, I think you oh. just joined. Oh, okay, cool. But, yeah. yeah. Nice. And, um, hands down the greatest guitar player I've ever played with. He is, he's a genius. Actually. I, I put him right in that category with no problem saying that, um, stylistically uh his technique is just impeccable his his uh attention to detail and tone is just unbelievable and i just i was like fuck it i'm gonna ask craig if he wants to do this and he was more than enthusiastic uh we had four songs that never saw the light of day from 87 in the bonus one so we thought that would kind of be the nucleus and then the three of us, Troy, myself, and Max, would write songs and see if Craig would help us finish them. And that was kind of the idea. And Craig went berserk. And he wrote eight songs that are, for me, just mind-blowingly fucking cool. And uh, we're, we're all in. We just recorded our new album, which oh. is far exceeded our expectations. Uh, we recorded at Machine Head Studio, Shark Bite. Uh, with Zach Orton, uh, engineer. And uh, then we had it mixed by uh, Matt Weiniger, who uh, just won a Grammy with uh, Fabulous Negrito. Oh, wow. And he did all the old Primus stuff and a bunch of Bay Area bands from back yeah. in the day. He's fucking amazing. And uh, he fell in love with it and I think put some extra time and effort into mixing the album and uh we're super proud of it super super proud of it we're gonna put it out ourselves um awesome so yeah yeah i think that's kind of best for us uh troy our bass player uh troy takaki he's a pretty hardcore hollywood editor um and he's been able wow. to slip he's been able to slip the bonus ones music into movies over the years uh diary of a wimpy kid uh, <laughs> brilliant uh three of them actually um, and then, you know, a Jennifer Aniston movie called, uh, the bounty hunter and, uh, we're coming out in a new skateboard documentary. So over time, you know, he's been able to do that kind of stuff. And, uh, Thrasher magazine has always kind of championed the boneless ones as being one of the best skate rock bands of all time. So there's always been this kind of lingering legacy. So we think that the timing has been perfect for us to come back and do our thing and, we're super, super happy and excited about uh, springtime getting this thing out. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. Yeah. What's it? What's it? Um, what's it going to be called? It's called "Back to the Grind." Hey, because you're back yeah. to the grind. 
right right the little yeah. double entendre there oh, i um, like that like that yeah, yeah it's, cool it's chuck full of skateboard lyrics and you know all kinds of you know tongue-in-cheek action and also some cool serious stuff you know life has moved forward over 35 years so max had yeah. some some stuff he wanted to get out so there's maybe some serious notes on this this album uh lyrically yeah. but I think it's really, uh, really cool. And it's, I think, a great representation of Bay Area crossover music from rock and roll, punk rock to thrash to just, you know, all out fucking maybe surprising kind of death metal a little bit. But um, I think it's a good representation of what came out of Ruthie's Inn and, you know. Yeah. So well, we're, we're hyped. I was, funnily enough, I, I, I just did a series of three podcasts over Christmas with a, with a guy called Mark DeVito. Oh yeah, I love um, Mark. Well, they and you talk just you talking about that about that piece of time and everything else. I've just had, like done three podcasts with him talking all oh, about wow. talking about all those days and yeah. You know, I'll, I'll I'll send you a link because I'm sure you'll be like you know there'll be loads of memories come flooding oh, back love, for you as well. Um, love to watch those. But he was he was just like yeah man. I, yeah, just talking about you know about Ruthie's in about how like you know Exodus were the band you know they, yeah. were, they, they, they were the daddies and then Metallica appeared and everyone was like holy shit <laughs> you know yeah What's yeah totally yeah you know the um the documentary uh murder in the front, the front row. row yeah so incredible but you know what it did for me was it really really put a stamp on the fact that goddamn it's fucking Kirk Hammett's fucking world. I mean, without, <laughs> without, without Kirk Hammett, I, I don't think the entire thrash thing happens. Um, he shows Gary Holt how to hold a fucking pick and cord a guitar. He, uh, he pulls fucking Cliff Burton, you know, he pulls Paul Bailoff. He moves into Metallica and takes them in a, in a totally different, I think, structure. And, you know, without Cliff, without Kirk, they don't move to the Bay Area. Yeah. That whole fuck LA thing doesn't happen. Uh, you know, the whole thing kind of comes together on the back of Exodus and into Metallica. And uh, such a great documentary and just yeah, so I cool. It. I love so it. So formative. You know, those those times were incredible. You know, I met my wife across the street at Big O Tires from Ruthie's Inn. Um, you know, I was going to metal shows where I was maybe one of three, four punk rockers. Yeah. You know, going to see Slayer in 83 and, you know, Keystone Berkeley shows and stuff. And it was still hot. I mean, it was it was uncool to have a 22 inch Mohawk <laughs> at a fucking metal show. You know, I mean, you're yeah. getting still getting the fucking what the fuck fucking culture club fucking you know i mean like the rep you know like i like to say i, I was punk rock when it was still hey faggot you know um, <laughs> you know and it's like it was just it was you could get your ass beat at either show you know long hairs, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Punk, you know and and ruthie's forced forced the crossover moment you know uh, metalheads coming to see broken bones punk rockers going to see slayer it just it happened here you know yeah. i don't think it ha it was late coming in every other scene yeah um yeah great by the way 
great shout there for Broken Bones, uh, who are a band oh. who are a band who seem to be completely lost in the, they 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 don't appear anywhere in any kind of metal history. They don't appear anywhere in any punk history, and crossover doesn't seem to have any kind of identifiable history and yeah they're so so underrated oh totally dude they blew our minds when they came you know it was just they were perfect yeah i've got perfect. i've got i've got dem bones on vinyl over there nice um i i've got it i oh god i'm such a, i think i got it in lockdown you know it was one of those <laughs> lockdown purchases yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking of which underneath it i can see the book of murder uh, murder in the front row as well um, nice, which is nice. a which is a beautiful thing. I remember go, I, I went to see DRI, and I spent um, I spent about half an hour interviewing Kurt, and yeah. um, and Kurt was quite Kurt in both senses yeah. of the in both senses of the word. Um, yeah, he is. He was um, and he was setting up merch whilst doing the interview, and um, every night. And and, and I walked away. I know it was early, it was very early on in my when I first started the podcast, and. Um, I I'd fucked up and I, I hadn't recorded anything, and I bumped oh. it and I, and I bumped into Harold, yeah. and I was like, "Hey, Harold." And he's like, "Oh, hey," and I was like, "Introduce myself." And he was like, "I I know I know the name of your band." And I was like, "Oh, cool," and I said, "Oh, you're not going to believe it." So I've just spent half an hour with Kurt, and and you know I haven't got anything. And he was like, "Turn it on, I'll talk to you." And, no and of course, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like the one person. I mean, I've, yeah. I've, I've just failed to record an interview with the person I turned up to interview. Yeah. What an, the best person in the industry to walk round the corner is yeah. Harold. So totally, um, yeah, love so him Harold, so yeah. much. Oh, it's just, I mean, he just, he just switched on, you know, like pressed record, and it was like go. And he's just such an engaging character, such a lovely guy as well. Just yeah, a totally sweet natured person. Yeah, love him. Love Harold, you know, love him. Yeah. And we love DRI, you know, Bolus One's just played a great show with DRI. I've always been super close with the guys. Uh, bass player from Attitude Adjustment is actually in the band, Greg Orr. Uh, he went from Attitude Adjustment into DRI. Um, uh, my, my buddy on drums, Rob Rampy, is just amazing, amazing drummer. So, yeah, they're, they're probably, like you were just saying, the representation of crossover, they're probably the standard uh for me for still yeah. perseverance and moving forward and doing shows the best representation of bay area crossover that there oh, might be absolutely i mean i i saw them i saw them headline a show with the original lineup of napalm death in, in oh sick in, and holy terror and the uk punk band heresy and oh, that, that wow. was that was a fucking and john peel was in the crowd who i got to have a chat with as well and i got to thank nice. him for getting me into the descendants it was just it was like a magical night that i will never forget that sounds as, like it know, yeah as a young kid and um and and to think i saw dri then i bought i bought one of kirk's um uh self-produced books about about him living in a tree and living in like a that. tree yeah and um it was got, just like, got it right there yeah, yeah, it's like it's so. It's just like amazing memories. And yeah. I, in fact, I, I remember I went to see Scream at the Duchess of York in Leeds, and and it was nice. when, and it was when Dave Grohl was playing drums for them. Right. And um and me and my friend would always like you know hang around, meet the bands, and we got to meet Dave afterwards. And, we, and both and both me and my friend we were, were like, dude, do you know Felix from DRI? 
<laughs> and he was yeah. like, yeah, I do. It's like, because you totally look like him. And it was like his performance that night. Me and my friend were like, this guy's like Felix. Felix Felix had a, a very broad um, uh, influence on quite a few drummers. His style, he had this rolling, linear approach to his drumming that I think really smacked a lot of people in the face. Um, playing shows with Scream back in the day with Attitude Adjustment and then on in uh, with Hell's Kitchen, when the whole Nirvana moment happened, um, yeah, yeah. The never they played here their first Nirvana big Nevermind show uh, here at the Warfield, and uh, L Seven was opening up, and Verbal Abuse had been out on tour with L Seven, so I got to go see that show and hang with Dave, and it was just so cool to be like seeing him in that moment, knowing him and Skeeter from from Scream to have yeah. this like wow, look at Dave go but no idea that it's going to yeah. go fucking Foo Fighters all the way to Studio 666. You know, I yeah. mean, like... Yeah, it's insane. You know, it's insane. It, it's, it's fucking insane. You know, know. Punk, rocker, punk rocker gone good, right? You know? Yeah, just... I mean, I, it's like, I, I you know, when, when I, I met him fleetingly, um, uh, I think it was 85. And, yeah. Um, um, and, and like when Nirvana happened, I was like, that's that's the guy that I mean I'd followed his career anyway so I knew it was him sure. but it was just like sure. it was just melting my brain that this this band was now absolutely huge and it's like that's the dude from Scream traveling around in a van putting yeah. in the hours putting in the days putting in the miles you yeah. know and it's just incredible and even today even now right up to today whatever you think of the Foo Fighters whatever you think of their music they are the quintessential biggest punk rock band ever because that band has never signed a fucking record deal ever. Right. They just right. signed distribution deals. They own yep. all of their music. I mean, Dave played it absolutely perfect, you know? Yeah. And yeah, he did. He did. He truly did. Yeah. yeah. It's and, amazing. You know, and, and still stays completely genuine, completely funny, uh, so real. Uh, you know, the great picture of him with the murder in the front row book, you know, it it's perfectly natural to see him with that book and, and the, the look on his face. You're like, fuck, yeah, he knows. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's in um, he's in the um, he's in the, the Descendants documentary filmage. And right. and he's and he's, you know, he's talking about like ripping off Bill Stevenson and like, you know, what an incredible yeah. drummer he is. And it's just like, yeah, Bill. Dude, you know, dude's just a fan. Oh, Bill. Fuck. <laughs> Don't even watching that guy live. is like just insane. Yeah, I, I was all fucking fucked up and starstruck. Uh, verbal abuse did tour in eighty uh, nine in Germany with five, we did five shows with the Descendants. And I was just I just sat behind him the whole time looking at his gross hairy gorilla back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i mean just so solid and just the tuning like that's another thing like his symbols you know like we talked about symbols and tuning and like those voices are so important when maybe people were just kind of throwing shit together to play music you know selection of sound and tuning he, he taught me a lot of of that i thought i was already kind of moving in that direction but then to get somebody of his stature to kind of 
verify that yes that's what you need to do your drums are tuned correctly those cymbals sound great yeah you know that that kind of thing yeah fucking great drummer man great yeah huge black flag fan but i mean a a great drummer a great songwriter a great writer of melodies a great smart across the board yeah yeah and just and apparently apparently you know quite the taskmaster in the studio as well um sure sure but just an just an an all-round like legend of the scene um that yeah, yeah. you know again I, I i still still feel like the, the descendants they're close to getting the kind of recognition that 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 they deserve but they, they still don't really have it you know you know it's funny uh sometimes maybe too much recognition can damage a band and sometimes yeah. i kind of i kind of like the jewelry box of certain bands that you know it's it's you pull it out and it's not for everybody and like oh you didn't get it mm, it wasn't for you yeah um, yeah there's I'm, I'm almost you know I, I want people to have their success and their just dues but at the same time they weren't ruined you yes. know and, yeah. And it, yeah they didn't yeah. have yeah that original sheen rubbed off it, yeah. it, it 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 stayed true and kind of that's that can have its merit too uh, do you know you're absolutely right you know what that's why i that's why i've still got four descendants t-shirts in my in my drawer today because because they are still they are still that band i mean i i remember going to see um i i think i went to see all because i loved all as well i don't i don't get the I don't get the, the difference between the two. And in fact, I, right. I, I, I love them so much. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to see this, but um, I have a, um, oh, let's see. Uh, there he is. Yeah. Nice. And, nice. And that's, and that's, 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 that's all Roy as well. So that's yeah, Mar- yeah, yeah. Right. So it's Milo right. thinking about all Roy. For listeners, um, I've just, um, I've just given uh, Chris the um, the delight of seeing my ankle. <laughs> um, nice pins, Howard. <laughs> thank you very much, chap. Um, uh, and it's um, and and I, so I love all. And I went to see them again at the Duchess of York, which is a legendary old venue. We used to play it loads. It's just the best place ever. And sure. um, and uh, I, I, I was talking to um, uh, I was talking to uh, Carl before before the um, before this uh, before the gig. And uh, I said, are you playing, are you playing um, Suburban Home tonight? Um, I said, you know, I'm an all fan, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm here to see all, but I presume you're going to play some Descendant songs. And are you playing Suburban Home? And he goes, uh, no. Well, we didn't have any plans to. Would you like us to? And I was like, yeah, that'd be amazing. And he was like, yeah, okay, no problem. And then Fucking in the set. I, I, yeah, and then and like halfway through the show, you know, it gets, to, it gets to Suburban Home. And Carl just goes up to the mic and goes, this is for the guy I was talking to earlier, Suburban Home. And I was like, Bam. my God, this is... Fuck I, yeah. Yeah, you know? I was Fuck like, yeah. oh God. I went home with just this warm feeling that night. Yeah. I really did. It was awesome. Yeah, man. It was awesome. Those are the takeaways, dude. Those are the special kind of connections you get from, from our culture, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And well, look, speaking of which, I have some subscriber questions for you. Okay. Um, okay. So um, these are from um, uh, Patreon subscribers. And um, right. first up, uh, it's a little plug for my Patreon. Make sure you sign up, pe- uh, people. Um, Get on there. This is um, 
this is Brian O'Donoghue. Um, uh, Brian said this is a, um, a drum question, not a dumb question, a drum question. Okay, it's almost the same thing. <laughs> I, I didn't like to say, you know. He um, <laughs> says, um, uh, "What's your?" Uh, it's just a nice. It's a nice, simple one actually, and that's um, what's your practice routine? Um, I absolutely dread practice. Um, I hate to play by myself. I, I really connect with a bass player and the song I, I react to, to lyrics differently um my practice routine would be more of just warming up and kind of keeping my hands going um but i don't and never have really practiced the drums i i have always kind of let the hands fly in the in the studio while we're playing um yeah i for years were was was playing in more than one band at a time so the rehearsal schedule was vigorous so i was around my drums a lot um so i hate to discourage people in any weird way about practice but yeah i yeah. don't read music i don't read tab um yeah, it, it, it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a very punk rock ethos, which is just play what you feel, feel the music, and and yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it's all come out. Now, recently, going back to the machine head thing with having to learn to play to a click, um, I got one of those Roland uh, E kits, and um, because just between the days that machine head was rehearsing, I felt that the off days were being wasted because I needed to get on board with this whole thing. And so, and also playing with in-ears for the first time ever. I oh, never, yeah, that's, that's going to be weird. You know, I, I was like, I got to get on this. So um, probably from February of 2019, was probably the most I've ever practiced in my life because once I got the E kit, you have all those different sounds you can dial through. Right. Right. So you punch up a country kit and you start playing country music or you punch up a, a Latin, you know, all these different sounds and it kind of make for me, at least it made me start to play those styles. And then also going on YouTube and finding a bunch of songs without drums. Yeah. all kinds of all kinds of music out there without drums that you can yeah. play along to so that was super fun so yeah as far as that goes i don't really practice <laughs> that's cool man that's the best that's the best answer that i'm ever likely to have to that question oh right um, on yeah, thanks brian absolutely. for that a question too yeah no, that's, that's cool that's cool um so um next up it's uh mark penson um now mark would like to know um, and we, we kind of touched on this and he's asking a good question that I forgot to ask. So there you go. Okay. Um, and it says, um, are you still riding BMX and did you need to stop when preparing for machine head anniversary shows? Uh, yeah. Thanks Mark for your dreadful and painful question. Uh, uh yeah. BMX yeah. had to go bye-bye, uh, when the machine head thing started. Uh, actually the funny thing happened right when Joey called within 30 seconds, my wife was on the couch. I had the phone and I held the phone away from my head and I said, bye-bye BMX. And 
back on the phone. Uh, yeah, too much of a liability. You know, yeah. we sell it. Yeah. They they sell a T-shirt at the at the track that says, "If you're not crashing, you're not trying." Yeah. Uh, in my BMX five year BMX career, five injuries. You know, it's a yeah. it's a fucking blood sport. We're clipped into the pedals. Uh, it's fucking eight guys my size all barreling down the track at 29 miles per hour into the first turn. Uh, the sport has changed a lot. The bikes are super light, yeah. uh, 25 foot asphalt cupped turns. Uh, the track is not soft dirt. It's more of like a terracotta glue. So it's super fast and super hard when you crash. Uh, so yeah, dude. And then right after that into COVID, which kind of kept me away because, you know, social gathering can't be that close to each other and then right into the boneless ones so i've yeah. been uh i've been off for quite a bit but i do have the wall of uh oh cool the, man the wall of fame over there you know and i, I am thankful That's... because you know the sport the sport really changed my life you know i uh got into the sport after a, i fell into a coma and uh wow. 2013 it, it was something that was plaguing me during the machine head era i was having uh, impacted saliva glands and wow. uh food and particles and whatever had been flowing backwards into my saliva glands and they were getting impacted so i had to have them removed and uh at that time i was like 330 pounds uh wow. pretty disillusioned with the music industry partying my ass off at the time uh, was ill prepared for that kind of a surgery and uh, fell into a coma. And when I woke up, all I could think about was racing BMX and not just like riding a BMX bike, but like racing at a national level. Yeah. Um, and in seven months, I lost 140 pounds and I, I won the Grand National Championship at the end of the year. Wow, that's and, awesome. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing. So, um, came with an incredible community of people and, and friends and uh, camaraderie and competition. You know, people say, why don't you just go out there and ride for fun? It's like uh, beating you is fun. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, highly competitive. So it's, if there's no, if there's, if there's no jeopardy, there's no fun. That's kind of me. And so <laughs> yeah. can't, can't even go to a race and watch because yeah, I just too, too painful. My, yeah. Might bump somebody off their bike just for the fuck of it, you know? And so, yeah. Um, yeah. I've had to put it away for now, but as they say, BMX is like the hotel California. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave track oh. going to always be there. And the oldest person I've seen on the track racing is 89 years old. So Whoa, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so you've got a whole chunk of your career. It's still ahead of you. We're all good. Track going to always be there. Man, that is a, that's, that is a perfect place to, um, to finish up, man. That's a really inspirational story. It really is. Oh, right and, on, man. Right and, on. And uh, look, I can't thank you enough for, for, for your time. It's been an absolute joy. Um, of course, and, likewise. And just thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you in the studio in Wales, in Northstone Studios in yes. Wales, um, when, you're, uh, when you're recording next. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're coming out. I'm going to come out to see uh, Bloodstock. Um, oh, cool. This year. And then also that kind of folds right into going to go play the uh, Dynamo Festival with the Bay Area Interthrational. I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, yeah, kind of little bits and pieces. 
yeah, kind of an all-star lineup of people uh, playing the Dynamo Festival, which is absolutely stacked this year. So uh, we're going to have a bunch of people join us on stage to kind of do a tribute to that re- that Ruthie's in moment. Uh, you know, we play songs from about five different bands. So I'll That's be awesome. over there. I'll cool. be over there this cool. year. And, Brilliant. Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you, man. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you and I'm looking forward to the uh, the Attitude Adjustment re-releases. I'm looking forward to yeah. the new Boneless Ones album. Thank um, you. It's, it's, it's all good, man. It's all good. Thank you so much. See you soon, man. Awesome. Thank Take you, care. too. Thanks, Howard. Have a good one. You too, man. Peace. See you. Bye-bye. Now, if you ask me, there are, you can tell... You guys, if you're, I mean, you're regular listeners, even if you're not, but especially regular listeners will know that you, you can tell when I'm sort of get really getting on with somebody and we're just vibing and, and that was just so much fun. Um, Chris is a top man. Well, as you heard, I, I mean, you know, it does my head in when people on podcasts break down an interview after you've been listening to it because, you know, you're, you're, you're human beings. I'm not, I'm not going to point anything out you didn't hear um unless you weren't listening in which case you're a fucking prick um, what are you listening to it for anyway um but I, I just my my memories just started coming flooding flooding back and and i'd completely forgotten about seeing that machine head show on the burn my eyes uh tour and it literally sort of came back as i was talking to him um and yeah there was a, there was a few minutes there where it was just we we I think we both kind of forgot that we were doing a podcast and we were just absolutely just having a right old natter. It was great. It really was. And uh, see how I managed to insert myself into another project and, um, you know, throw some uh, throw some completely unnecessary, unasked for and unneeded guest vocals on something that's not even recorded yet. But no, I'm in there. <laughs> um, well, anyway, look, guys, it's uh, it's an absolute pleasure, as always, to be in your fucking ears. Um, it really is. You are the bo- the talking bollocks army. You are the you are the bollock army. Whatever you are, um, please help. Please tell everybody about the fucking podcast, will you? You know, just get stuck in. Share the fuck out of it because I'm not, I'm not seeing it. I am not seeing a great deal of sharing going on on social media. I mean, to be fair, I would imagine. Well. I know that the the average listenership is not exactly a bunch of young pups. So, um, and hello, female listeners. I haven't done this for a while yet, okay? But I know there is like a handful of women who listen to Talking Bollocks. Hello! Uh, More than welcome to join Patreon as well. It would be really, really nice to, uh, because it is all men at the moment. Um, But hey, look. It just, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll take anyone's money. It, it, I, I'm really not fussed. Um, but look, guys, lots of podcasts to come. Really hope you enjoyed that. I really enjoyed doing it. I'm really, really enjoying doing this. Um, let's hope the news picks up over the next couple of weeks because, um, you know, that intro, fucking hell, you know. Sorry. Just apologies. But... Just nothing to work with here. Anyway, that's an hour and a half. Fuck it. I'll speak to you again. I'll speak to you again soon. Take care, you all. Whatever you're doing. You know, whatever you're doing, wherever you're working. Whoever you're doing. Whoever you're working. Wherever you are. Just just fucking... Whether you're up a mountain or you're just sat shoving a fucking pizza in your face. Whatever it is you're doing. Do it the best you can. 
knock it out the fucking park. Go big or go home. Swing for the fences. If something's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Etc, etc. And other bullshit phrases. Jesus, it sounds like I've fucking swallowed a load of fridge magnets, doesn't it? Anyway. It's time you weren't here. Like I said, time you weren't here. Fuck off.